welcome to Spotlight, the podcast for the domestic abuse sector. I'm Rachel Lozanne from the Safe Lives Knowledge Hub and over the next six weeks, Safe Lives will be shining a spotlight on older victims of domestic abuse. Older victims are still one of the largest groups of vulnerable people who are not accessing domestic abuse services. Typically, those aged 61 and above are much more likely to experience abuse from an adult family member or current intimate partner. They're significantly more likely to have a disability and are much more likely to be living with a perpetrator after getting support. With this in mind, I spoke to Rachel Nicholas, Safety Interventions Manager at Camden Council, about their recent campaign, No It's Not Too Late, which aimed to address the specific aspects of abuse that affect older victims. But as you might expect, the success of their campaign didn't come without a few challenges. Can you tell us a little bit about the campaign? Okay, so um, one of our main motivations for doing this particular campaign, which was called um, No, It's Not Too Late, the motivation really behind that was that in the two years preceding this campaign, Camden had had two domestic homicides. Um, both of which um, were of women who were in their, um, or who were both over over fifty. Right. Um, one was um, a murder that had taken place in her home by her husband, who later killed himself, um, and the other one took place almost exactly spookily exactly a year later, um, and that was a son um, who killed his mother. Mm. Um, so the homicide reviews are both now complete for for both of those um, and there were a number of recommendations that came out um, from those um, and one was about the fact that actually neither of those women had accessed any domestic violence services right. um, and so looking at that thinking about actually how do we increase the likelihood of people of that age group even knowing that services exist for them. Yeah. Um, and then we also then looked at some of the um, the kind of background information and research nationally that we had mm-hmm. um, in relation to the kind of age groups and different age groups who refer into services. So was that had that was that did that was that quite common then that even within sort of the Camden domestic abuse services there weren't so many clients that were of that age group so you get you with um within the Camden services so particularly Camden Safety Net which is where the bulk of our data comes from about your IDFA service yes um and the bulk of the referrals are um, from people who are aged kind of 20 to 25 up oh, through okay. to about around about 40. Yeah. Um, and if that, that, on one level, that makes total sense because you're more likely to be in a relationship during that stage of your life. Um, you're more likely to have children in that, st- or small children particularly in that stage of your life, and more likely to be engaging in different, serv- different services yeah. anyway as part of that, particularly if you've got small children. Um, and so that made sense to see that uh, see that pattern of referrals in terms of age groups so the previous year we have run a campaign um, called No This Isn't Love which was aimed at young people um, because we knew from both our own data in Camden but also national data that young people just don't really see domestic violence in the same way that 
adults do. Yeah. Um, their relationship complications, it's quite acceptable. There's, there's some, some really shocking data out there about young people yeah. and their acceptance of violent behaviour in, in relationships. So that was our first area of target um, and that campaign actually was really successful. It produced a two-minute video that went into cinemas. Um, it was on bus stops, etc. And as a result of that, looking at the same period the year before, we'd seen a 44% increase in referrals for young people wow, aged 16 okay. to 25. Yeah. So it was. We knew that we'd kind of touched on something that yeah. was make you know that yeah. could make a difference and did you find out with that kind of what what type what bits of the campaign worked whether it was sort of social media or the cinema like so we were able to find yeah, that out so one of one of the things that we did in order to try and look at how that worked was um, design a web page for it to, for it to be accessed on yeah so with young people um, they're far more savvy than somebody like me and as we found out, you also, Rachel, <laughs> in terms of technology. Um, and they use social media in ways that, you know, actually I'm only just starting to get to grips with. Um, and, uh, and so we asked people, you know, there was a campaign there to, you know, to retweet and yeah. to put on Facebook and to share the video on Facebook. Yeah. So it was deliberately only a two-minute video yeah. that had a shorter 30-second edit um, so okay, that's very easy so it, different yeah. versions of it so actually the 30 second edit could be very easily shared on mm -hmm. social media mm -hmm. so uh, I don't have the figures with me right this second but we'd seen we were monitoring actually how many hits the web page got and also how many retweets or yeah. whatever the repostings are on Facebook sharing sharing there you go so you know all that I do uh, <clears throat> so we were looking at that kind of thing um, and so that work for young people. Yeah. We didn't necessarily think that that was going to work with our older communities. Yeah, absolutely. So how did you go about thinking how you would approach it then for for older people? So so there was a there was a, a number of different stages um, mm. to it really. And so the, the first bit was to look at a what our homicides in Camden were telling us. Yeah. B, what the national data was talking to us, uh, you know, when we're seeing that picture both in Camden and nationally, is that older people tend not to yeah. refer into services to get that specialist support. They do talk to their GPs mm -hmm. um, and they do talk to some of their community groups. Yeah. So the next phase was to go and talk to people who, might, who had better connections with an older generation than we did. Yeah. So one of the organisations that I actually went to speak to was Solace Women's Aid, yep. um, the Silver Project. Project. Yep. So I went to speak to them, um, to talk to them about how they engaged with older people. Mm. And they actually ran a focus group for us mm. who looked at some of the um, messaging that we were looking at. They looked at some of the scenarios that we were, that we were putting into the posters yep. um, and also asking them where they you know where they would most likely go to be able to see this kind of information yeah um so they were very keen on seeing that information on our bus stops they said that uh, that okay. that's something that speaks to them yeah um 
and also in like their local, you know, like their local area, their shopping areas. But yeah. the transport links were were a really big point for them. Oh, that's interesting. Um, so not just you, so I suppose you sort of automatically think with a poster campaign, sort of waiting rooms and you know, and GPs or libraries yeah. or stuff like that. But um, I suppose more people are likely to be using public transport, aren't they? Especially yes. in a London borough. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that that was some of the so that was that was a really useful bit of work that we did with them. Um, we spoke to some of our own clients who were of that age and they yeah. helped feed that in. So yeah. um, we did kind of, they weren't focus groups, they were more uh, one-on-one interviews yeah. with, those, with those older groups. That's quite interesting because you had, um, the, and we will post a link for this so people listening um, to the podcast are able to have a look. So there's, there was four posters, wasn't there? And they showed yeah. like a mix of yeah. different demographics and different, there was like a male victim and three female victims yeah. and there was like partner abuse but also like a family member and there's different scenarios and I was sort of interested to find out whether those came from cases or whether that was the feedback then that you'd had directly from from clients about you know what they would want to see or what message would reach out to them. So some of those case scenarios and actually particularly the the family uh, one where we've got an older gentleman who's being abu- financially abused yeah. um, by his daughter um, and that was based on uh, two real cases okay. that actually Camden Safety Net had dealt with yeah. um, over the years. Um, and we wanted to kind of link in with the idea um, that we'd started hinting at in the Young People's campaign, which about, you know, domestic abuse doesn't need to be physical abuse. No, yeah. we're not just talking about physical abuse. And also kind of coincided with the same time of the definition change as yeah. well. So that was another factor that we yeah. were bringing into this. And I thought that was really good on the posters where you've, on each of them you've got the, um, you list the different types of abuse and if you're experiencing this it's not okay and seek yeah. help to just, I guess to make that really clear isn't it, to yeah. people as well as looking at that visual. So, so um, that one particularly was taken from actual case studies. All of them were informed mm-hmm. by cases that the IDVA team had worked with. Yeah. Um, and those ideas were then tested out with our focus groups yeah. and they resonated with them. Yeah. Um, and that was really important. You know, so it was just making sure that we had, that we did have a cross section mm-hmm. of communities, mm-hmm. that we looked from a range of ages, um, because whilst it's kind of aimed at the over 50s, it's very hard to target a campaign um, without seeming like you're being rude to people. <laughs> um, you know uh, that you know that you're aiming at somebody over yeah. fifty. And I can remember um, talking to one of our police colleagues, and she said, "Well, that would apply to me." Yeah. Um, you know, and you know, she, and and that's not the perception that people have when you're talking about the older generation yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, you can see I suppose with, with the places that you've done it's, it's a different age range isn't yes. it within, within the people in those the places yes. those images as well yeah. Yeah. Um, one of the other elements of um, one of our homicides and one of the elements that happens as we get older is this idea that your carer could also be your abuser mm-hmm. so that was one of the images that we picked up in one of the posters yeah um, yeah. That idea that actually you're dependent upon that person yeah. for your care, yeah. but actually they're abusing you, and that might be a new, you know, that might be new abuse mm-hmm. that might have just happened since you've become more infirm, infirm even. Um, 
or it actually might be part of a continuous yeah. part of violence that's been going on throughout your life and actually now it's not physical anymore it's a you know yeah. it's the refusing to give you your meds yeah. and stuff like that yeah and those sort of different types of yeah. controls I think that's what comes yeah. out isn't it in one of those yeah. one of those posters in the with the domestic homicides was there so where those um, where those two women hadn't sought help from domestic abuse services had they spoken to anybody else about the abuse so um in the husband and wife um, homicide um, that took place in 2013, um, both um, both parties had disclosed to their GPs um, that um, there was domestic yeah. there was domestic abuse in their relationship. Okay. So she had spoken to her GP about the violence that she was being subjected to by her husband. Um, one which it actually included um, uh, a broken arm. Right. Um, and he had also disclosed to his GP that he'd been violent. He was concerned that he'd hurt her. Was there any follow-up? I guess that's... No. And that's quite common, isn't it, in a lot yes. of domestic homicide reviews? Yeah. And in the second case, um, that of the mother and son in 2014, um, you um, you were looking at a son who had um, significant mental health issues. Right. Um, uh, it, a really tragic case in some respects because um, on the day um, leading up to the murder, um, mother and son were uh, asking for him to go into care. Right, okay. Um, and that wasn't forthcoming, there wasn't... The, mm. the urgency of that need wasn't recognised at the time mm. um, and it was described as them having a volatile relationship right, okay. you know, so the domestic abuse hadn't, hadn't, you know, been, looked hadn't, hadn't been looked at in that context right. we only really looked at that as part of the homicide review because right, okay. um, I, I think one of the things that we've seen from um, our sort of data and research is and it's kind of obvious, really, but the older victims will tend to have, you know, different types of complex cases. Mm. Um, but certainly, in terms of their own additional issues, disability being yes. the main one. Um, so, as an IDFA, and particularly if other services are involved, then you'd need to kind of be working alongside those other agencies for the support or safety interventions that they could provide. And that's not, you know, always been easy historically, I suppose, is it? Well, no, but um, I think um, I think there's been huge movement over the last few years, even mm. uh, of, of where other departments and other agencies are kind of realizing that they've got to get their act together a bit mm. about domestic abuse, and they can't ignore it because mm. it's such a large volume of the work that they do. Yeah. So I'm just thinking, I don't know what the figures are for our adult so adult safeguarding. Um, inquiries, but I know that um, it's over sixty-four percent of child protection yeah, cases. Yeah. Um, so it's likely to be similar. Know, so, do you think then? Yeah, I don't say. You know, I think you're looking at, at least a fifty percent. Mm. I would have thought. Mm. Um, and so it requires us to work collaboratively together um, because our advisors aren't going to be able to work out what somebody might need mm. in order to assist them with their mobility or yeah. with their 
medication care. Um, but they are going to be able to look at that alongside an occupational therapist and go, actually, we need to make sure that this is safe enough to do. Yeah. Um, yeah. So one of the outcomes, do you think, then, from, I suppose, initially the homicides and then the campaign there's been that those better relationships obviously alongside the care act and changes there yeah. that better kind of working so, relationship. so that has definitely been one of them um it uh, and whilst it was easy to be able to monitor um the uplift in referrals of young people mm. from the no this isn't love mm. campaign it was much harder to do that for the no it's not too late because whilst we were targeting over 50s actually the people who were responding to that weren't necessarily over 50. Uh, that's interesting. So you saw, yes. do you saw a change in referrals? We saw a change in referrals. So what we were looking at there actually was whether there was a change in the number of self-referrals Yeah, yeah. and the change in the number of referrals from safeguarding to, yeah. to and from safeguarding. Yeah. Um, so we've seen an increase there. It wasn't a massive, it wasn't as big as, as, um, as the one mm. for the young people mm. because it was a harder thing to kind of quantify yes, space, isn't it yeah. you can't look at like the number of hits no. on a website no. so much yeah um, so there was some change in referrals there was some we? change in referrals um but it wasn't um it wasn't as you said it wasn't as quantifiable yeah but the you know i suppose the biggest change really has been that shift in relationship mm. between safeguarding adults mm. and uh, and the id for service um and also really raising the profile of domestic abuse on the Safeguarding Adults Board yeah. and their agenda and, and it then becoming one of the cross-cutting issues that both the Adult Safeguarding Board and the Children's Safeguarding Board were asking questions about, were wanting to know how, you know, what kind of targets we were setting and how we were meeting those targets right, in terms okay. of addressing and tackling yeah. domestic abuse. Which is really important, isn't it, then, for the ongoing change, if yeah. that then, you know, continues yeah. in terms of looking at that. Was that a challenge, though, then, because I suppose if you're an IDVA or a domestic abuse worker and you, it's more rare for you to work with an older client, is that then a challenge for workers on, on what they do and how they respond? And Because I think one of the other things that we've seen from our um, data and research is... Um, differences in terms of staying in relationships that older victims tend to stay in relationships mm. um, and that might affect risk reduction or you know what they need for their sort of safety planning or support is slightly different than probably a lot of the usual stuff that NIDFA would do so has that been a kind of challenge also for then workers? Um, I think I think that the big there's two big challenges there one is that um one is around when it's not actually the partner or ex-partner yeah. who is the perpetrator, but it's the child, mm -hmm. the adult child. Um, and they are just notoriously difficult to deal with um, in terms of putting in any real safe interventions mm. that are long-lasting. Yeah. Um, because there are so many other things that are mixed up with that. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, particularly when we look at the, the second homicide, mm. is that actually this was a mother who felt very responsible for her adult child who she felt wasn't receiving the right kind of support and services for their mental health. Yeah. Um, and so part of her was putting up with 
his behaviour yeah. towards her, his anger towards her, mm. it's her fault mm. she's like this. Mm. And part of that is internalised. Mm. And that makes it very difficult because then when you're saying, in order to safeguard you, mm. it would be better if you were removed from this situation. Mm. And that's not a realistic prospect. No. Um, and you know, similarly, you'll get that in other relationships as well. Mm. When you know, when you've got to those later stages of your life, when actually you are reliant on one another, mm. um, or where your 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 accommodation choices yeah. are, are rather diminished, um, particularly if you are reliant on the state. Yeah. Um, and they, you know, so therefore, it is harder to work with those kind of cases. Yeah. But it also forces you to be more creative about what the interventions could be yeah. and more creative with your partner agencies yeah. about what they could be as well yeah. so I mean it's not unheard of in those kind of cases whereby actually you're looking at putting them into two different tenancies mm. one into sheltered accommodation and one into their own accommodation mm. and that's you wouldn't think you, you know you wouldn't think that always even possible mm. in you know when we're looking at younger families i mean just probably wouldn't wouldn't yeah. even be an option on the table that housing would consider yeah well that can be that's such a barrier isn't it where yeah. you know i can think of cases i've worked with in the past where that's happened where you know as you're saying a victim will, will be too kind of concerned that if they moved out that the perpetrator is going to be homeless and obviously if there's other issues there or that mm. sense of responsibility then that will just hold them in that situation but obviously then negotiating that with the housing department can be quite tricky yeah. um, so and that and that's where you need really need that coordinated response and you need it to be you need that's where you need your adult your, your, your colleagues from adult social care mm. you need your editors and you need housing to come together and so it's interesting because what we have seen since this campaign is a huge rise in the number of adult safeguarding meetings that the IDFAs are attending. Okay, it's interesting. Um, and that just wasn't happening before no. this. You'd go to child protection conference after child protection conference after child protection conference, but you'd never go to an adult safeguarding meeting. Yeah. Um, and since this, there's been a huge rise in that. We either go because we are engaged with that client, yeah. or also we go as the advisor as to what is safe and what is not. Because uh, we're not always working directly mm -hmm. with the adult victim. And, and then it's about really thinking about where our older generation, who might have very different views about what domestic abuse is, mm. and what is acceptable and what you should still put up with. Yeah. And, and we need to be thinking about where those people access any kind of support mm. from. And, and predominantly that's going to be health. Um, Do you have, so, I mean, in terms of, like, it sounds like there'll be quite a lot of health-related actions from the um, domestic homicide review, sort of potentially for health and mental health. Is that something that ends an ongoing kind of task yeah. in terms of those pathways? It sounds like the adult social care pathways working really well but is health still so health yeah so i mean we have um we've been uh, very fortunate um uh, uh, with our clinical commissioning group um in that uh, there are people on the clinical commissioning group boards that actually get domestic abuse mm -hmm. um which i 
I don't think is necessarily the case across the country. Um, and you know, they have they were committed to doing things like iris before we had the recommendations telling us that we should have them. Okay. Um, and I um, went back to them at um, the beginning of this year to ask them to further fund the IRIS project mm-hmm. and also the project that we have with IDFIS in the hospitals. Mm-hmm. Um, and they've, they've agreed to do that for a f- further two years. Oh, that's their commitment to, to domestic abuse mm. and it's and the reason why that was compelling is that prior to those projects being commissioned um, Camden Safety Net and also Solace Women's Aid who were the two organisations who'd been working in Camden predominantly mm. um, had only ever received between them three referrals from any health professional in any one year. Wow. Um, those projects now have been running since um, October 2013, and we've seen over 800 referrals from health. So the argument is rather compelling. <laughs> yeah, it can uh, be more strong. <laughs> um, is that know, because so with IRS and the hospital, it feels that they're the kind yes. of right, okay. so yeah. So they're the conduits in yeah. you know, those that you know those having a go-to person in health mm. seems to be really really important. Yeah. You know, doctors are very used to making referrals to ear, nose, and throat, or yeah. you know, your radiologist or what have mm. you. Um, and it's a completely different way of working mm. than working with other partners like the police and social services. It, you know, it's very different mm. because health has a different way of working in terms of. They make a referral. They expect a letter back from their referrer to say, "We've seen this patient," and da 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 da. You know, yeah. um, and that's quite different from the way an IDFA works. Yeah. Um, and so that's been a bit of a culture change for both the domestic violence sector yeah. in Camden and also for our, for our GP surgeries yeah. as well. Is to kind of go, okay, let's just work out what kind of communication we need to have, what kind of information we're going to be giving you because we've both got this whole idea of patient or client confidentiality yeah. going on, yeah. um, but ultimately they are making those referrals. Mm. And that's, that's not suddenly a surge of 800 people mm. who suddenly become victims of domestic yeah. abuse. Yeah. That's 800 people who weren't being recognised yeah. and identified before, who by simply asking the question mm. have said, actually, yes, and I would like to be referred on yeah. to services. Yeah, well, Rachel, thank you very much for your time. Um, much appreciated. Um, and yeah, we'll put links to um, the campaign. Um, and I'm sure if anyone had any kind of questions or something, they could Be come to you. More than happy. Cool. Thank you very much. Thank you. <laughs>